also find a copy of The Caring and Sharing. If you're here in person, we hope that you picked one of those up. Again, keep it, uh, in your, uh, keep it tagged in your phone so that you can pick up that anywhere you go and just kind of be better informed. Uh, we continue to practice, uh, again, encourage you to help us in the process of making sure that we're doing things to make this a safe assembly. We thank you for spreading out as you come in. We thank you for wearing your mask in and out while you're here. And if you get up and need to go anywhere, please put your mask back on. As a part of that, we continue to uh, do a contactless Lord's Supper as well as contribution. Um, we will word a prayer of blessing over the contribution, but then, uh, as you know, it is either done online or there is a box in the back where you can put both your giving back to the Lord contributions and we have a bucket for our kids' gift. And we continue to particularly appreciate the kids who are dropping uh, a little money in there because that goes directly to DR to help the ministry there. As part of our... Uh, uh, giving back to God and, and those kinds of things. Uh, this Sunday marks the very first of our three-month-long uh, process of discerning our ministry potential. If you're not familiar with that process, very quickly, uh, we set our uh, budget, the, the financially the things that we're going to support based on your giving uh, and only your giving through, from January through March. Um, that tells us uh, what we're going to be able to do. That tells us your support of our ministries. And so I would ask for you to be praying about uh, your giving. Uh, again, so many of us have now gone to online giving and we don't necessarily keep track of it week in, week out. Maybe that you need to check that and be sure that that's where you want it to be. Um, and so we can uh, get an accurate picture of what our... Uh, Again, our potential for doing ministry, the funding ministries, will be. As the book of Psalms end, um, Psalm 146 through 150 seem to kind of be molded together, each with a separate voice but tied together uh, in their final form, the form that we have in a way to kind of be a whole. We're going to read through a line, a slide from each of those psalms this morning as we begin. Um, won't you please stand? You'll hear and experience and speak a common theme throughout them all. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God, for He is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the highest. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His surpassing greatness. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord and all together praise the Lord. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Who 
you join me in prayer this morning. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the way that you have blessed us. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to come and gather with us, uh, with each other this morning. Lord, we uh, ask that you would um, bless our time together. Lord, we thank you for the, the seasons and the changes that come through our life that refresh uh, our life and keep it from just being one day after another. At this time, we thank you for the new year, uh, even though it's kind of arbitrary when we mark it, it just gives us a sense of renewal and recommitment, and most of us have plans for the coming year and things we want to do different. Lord, thank you for that, uh, that pattern that you've created in the world where things renew and, and uh, restart. Lord, help us to use this time and this feeling of restarting to, to renew our focus on you, to renew our commitment to you to develop good habits, to help us live the lives that we should. Lord, we ask that you would increase our influence in the world and you would help us to be a model to those who may be looking to us. Lord, we thank you for uh, the ministries that we support. Lord, this uh, month we are particularly mindful of, of a ministry of renewal of the Pregnancy Health Center and the way that they help parents prepare to be good parents uh, for children uh, and the, the joy that that brings and the hope that that brings for our future whenever we're around uh, newborns and, and young children. Lord, we thank you for that, uh, that ministry and the way that they 
uh, equip and prepare uh, parents and help them to be uh, even better parents um, toward those children. We ask that you would continue to support their ministry, help us to do what we can to, to keep them thriving here in our community. Lord, we thank you for the good news from several on our uh, prayer list on, on their health. Uh, we're thankful for their, their recoveries, uh, particularly uh, we thank you for uh, Bernice's improvement and her ability to come back home. Uh, we know that that's something that she very much wants to be with her family. Lord, we ask that you would continue to strengthen her and help her in her uh, physical uh, therapy and recovery. Lord, we're thankful that Betty's back home. We ask that you would continue to strengthen her and, and bless her. Lord, we pray for others who may be suffering in, in their health, and we ask that you would intervene there and uh, heal them, that you would uh, uh, comfort them in, in their difficulties, that you will reassure them that, that you are with them. Lord, we ask that you would again be with us as we uh, worship here this morning. Uh, we pray that it will be uplifting and uh, will be uh, glorious to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. morning. I'll be reading 2nd Matthew 1 through 6. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose above and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah who was to be born in Bethlehem in Judah? They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be my shepherd for my people of Israel. Are we going to 12? When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time of the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for a child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After that, they heard the king. They went on their way, and the star that they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's all be standing for the next song. Who has held the ocean in his hand? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? 
Good morning, everyone. We're going to finish up our series on unexpected with the visit of the Magi. Uh, <coughs> the Magi, most it's fitting that this is a week or two after Christmas because almost certainly they were not there at the manger in the stable. All right, but don't go changing your nativity scenes. Don't worry about that. The contrast of having the common people, the shepherds, and the high and the mighty, the magi, visiting and worshiping Jesus is the contrast and the range that we want to see. So what do we know about the magi? Not a whole lot. They seem to be mysterious people, kind of like this guy Melchizedek that we read about. Uh, Lot is captured, carried off as a slave. Abraham musters his army, goes and rescues Lot with the king of Sodom and some other people. And as he's coming back from this victory, this high priest Melchizedek meets him from Salem. First time priest is ever mentioned in the scriptures, the first time Salem, which is probably Jerusalem, is ever mentioned. And until one little scripture in Psalms and then Hebrews gives us more explanation, this guy, he just appears and then he's gone. The Magi seem to be the same way. They just show up from the east. Beyond that, we really don't know anything about them. But let's look at some of the things we do know. Let's jump to the next slide. One more. All right. The word magos, I probably didn't say that correctly, can be translated or assumed different things, magician, sorcerer, astrologist. Uh, the King James did it, wise men. Uh, NIV just simply transliterates the magi, uh, probably advisors to kings, okay? Um, whether, as my grandkids would say, whether they were good guys or bad guys depends upon where they are getting their source of information. God does not want his people seeking advice from palm readers, from uh, the, the dead trying to do a seance and bring back the dead, to uh, our tarot cards or, or this sort. He wants us to seek from his wisdom. <clears throat> and depending upon where these magi got their source from to advise their kings would more or less depend on whether or not they're evil or wicked. This word is used six times in the New Testament, four times here in Matthew, and twice in uh, Acts, and there it's translated as sorcerer. We have a little bit of information. The guy who's called a sorcerer is also termed a false prophet. So once again, we see they're just giving advice. And we talk, well, I don't use palm readers, and I don't use uh, tarot cards. I don't read my horoscope. Um, I think between here and West Columbia, there's some place on the side of the road. lady says, palm reading and spiritual advisor. And I wanted to stop in there just out of curiosity just to see you know, and I'm kind of judging her because she says spiritual advisor, and I'm kind of, but, you know, maybe she looked at your palm, and she got, oh, you've got a short lifeline here. Uh, we better get ready for you to meet the afterlife. Uh, have you ever heard of this guy named Jesus? Maybe that's her, her, her way of, I, I'm kind of judging her, okay? But it could be, she could be the good guy, the good woman, all right? I'm assuming it's a woman. I don't know why I think it's a woman. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> but have you ever sought advice? Have you ever, uh, you're getting married, you're engaged, and you want some marriage counseling, so you seek marriage counseling. Or maybe you just want to tune up your marriage, make it better, so you seek a marriage counselor. Maybe you had kids, and you're like, whoa, this is tougher than I thought. I better get a little advice on raising my kids. Or, or, or maybe you're going through grief. You've had a tragic loss in your life, and you're looking for some grief counseling. Do you seek out people who incorporate spiritual principles into the advice that they give you? If you're looking for professional advice of some sort, you need to be looking for someone who will incorporate the wisdom of God in what they will tell you. Uh, the next thing we see about them is they came from the east. Now, I just put down Persia 
I'm not even 100% sure where Persia would be today, but China, Japan, just as the east, we really don't know, okay? Uh, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit more. Uh, and the last thing we know, the next point there, uh, they came to worship, honor, and bring gifts to Jesus. And that's what we're talking about here. The, the rich and the famous, I don't know how famous they were in their day, but where they came from, they're probably very rich and famous, and they came to worship, to honor, and to bring gifts. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, the star. What do we know about the star? First point here, actually nothing, okay? <laughs> it's just a star. We're not told anything about it. These people this time, if there's any light in the sky, they're probably going to define it, call it a star, <clears throat> okay? What else are they going to call it? Okay, uh, let's jump there again, Lowell, and one more time. Most likely, it is not a normal astrological event, like a comet. We just had this, boy, it's good to be preaching this sermon now because we just had this conjunction. Is that how you say that? Of Saturn and Jupiter. And one guy was reading, he said, well, Saturn is the sign of kings, and Jupiter is the sign of the Jews, and, and it was in the astrological sign of Pisces or something like that, and that's, the, that's Palestine. And so these guys would see that, and they were thinking, oh, wow, there's going to be a king. He's going to be from Judea. It's going to be in Palestine. No, I don't think so, okay? It is not. Let's look at number four. We see here in verse 9 and 10, it led the Magi to the house and stopped over there. It stopped, okay? This is a uh, miraculous event that God had um, special for his son. Jesus only came once to die for our sins. This star, whatever it was, I think appeared only once. You know, this uh, conjuncture of Saturn and Jupiter that we just all saw and were all amazed by, they said it was 800 years ago that it happened, and it may not happen for I don't know how long. You know, Peter tells us that a thousand years is with God like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. So this thing happening every, every 800 years, in God years, that's like every day. God's like, well, that happened yesterday, it happened today, it's going to happen tomorrow. God wants a special sign for his special sign. That's, that's the way I see it. Okay, next slide, please. How did the Magi know Short answer, God told them. Now, I hope you don't think you're going to get away with the short answer, okay? Exactly how we can conjecture. Uh, next point there, we see that God, they, he could have told them in a dream. We see in verse 12, he warned them not to go back to Herod in a dream. He could have used a dream. He could have used a vision. He could have used any number of ways. Uh, one thing we could look at is he could have sent a prophet to them. Next slide. Could have been a prophet such as somebody like Daniel, Okay. Go to the next slide. Let's just look. Daniel, oh, now that I'm on Daniel, that's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Daniel is an amazing man. He is an amazing uh, book, okay? So we're going to look at about four or five different events from the book of Daniel real quick. We've all heard these stories since we were small. We tell them in vacation Bible school all the time. The first one is Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, okay? We're not going to go into a lot of detail because you know it. If you don't recall it, go back to Daniel and read it. I encourage you to read it, Okay? Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He calls all his wise men together, and he says, hey, tell me what this dream means. They say, tell us a dream. No, this is the way I know you're telling me the truth. If you can tell me what the dream was and then tell me the interpretation. Of course, they can't, all right? Well, the, what good are advisors if they can't give you any good advice, all right? So he says, hey, off with their heads or whatever. Gives the order to execute them, which includes Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I almost called them the three amigos, but I decided not to. Uh, <laughs> and so Daniel tells the executioner, hey, hold off a day. Let us see if we can figure this one out. Of course, God reveals to him. Daniel comes in, tells the king what his dream was, tells him the interpretation of the dream. And here is Nebuchadnezzar's response to that. 
Okay, let's go back one. <laughs> Sorry. Um, got the same one. We got Meshach, Shadrach, EMS, and A that looks like a railroad or something. That's the next one. Let me read it to you. Sorry about that. This is Nebuchadnezzar's. He says, the, this is in Daniel chapter 2, the, God, the king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. And before that says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor in order that an offering of incense be presented to him. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. He is ruler of probably one of the greatest nations on the earth at this time. He is powerful. Just 24 hours before, he had given an order to execute everybody that he didn't like. Okay, and it was about to be carried out. He didn't just bow down. He didn't drop to one knee. He didn't drop to both knees. This idea of falling prostrate before Daniel is the idea of falling flat on your face, laying on your stomach to a slave. Daniel is a slave who the king, prior to this, probably had nothing but contempt for the man. Okay, might have had just a teeny, eenty bit of respect for him, possibly, okay? But this is a man that is a slave. This is the king, and this is Nebuchadnezzar's response. He falls face down. Okay, now on this, oh, there it is. Daniel interprets the dream. Sorry about that. I didn't see the slide. <laughs> All right, the next story, chapter 3. Uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that's where I put the uh, MSNA, the railroad, because I didn't want to spell all that out in the fiery furnace. We all know the story. Once again, here is the response of Nebuchadnezzar. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Once again, Nebuchadnezzar honors and praises God. Okay, uh, next story. I think the great tree, Nebuchadnezzar once again has this dream about this big tree, uh, and it comes true. Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind. He goes out and lives in the wild like a wild animal, and when he acknowledges that God is sovereign, that God is most high, he is restored to his splendor, to his glory, he's given his power, and here's Nebuchadnezzar's response. At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and my splendor... Uh, Sorry, I didn't read all. Were returned to me for the glory of the kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he has done is right, and his ways are just, and those that walk in his pride he is able to humble. Okay? Uh, the next chapter is about Belshazzar, the writing on the wall. Belshazzar and his nobles, they're praising the gods of gold, the gods of silver, and this hand comes and writes on the wall, and they call Daniel in there to uh, interpret what's being written. Uh, he tells them, King, you in a heap of trouble, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and that's what comes true. Then we'll jump to chapter 5. One more time. This is the last one. I tell you, Daniel's a great book. It's hard to stop. Chapter 6, Daniel and the lion's den. We all know the story very well, okay? And once again, now this is King Darius. Nebuchadnezzar's gone. Belshazzar's gone. Uh, King Darius is here. And uh, Daniel and the lion's den, and when he, God rescues Daniel, here's his response. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth, May you greatly prosper. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. We see these heathen kings, what would we call them, because of God demonstrating his great power, recognizing that he is the one true and most high God in issuing these edicts throughout the land. 
Uh, and so we see how God, and if these men were not from uh, this area of the world, God could send his people and his prophets, and this could be repeated all over the world. We have this ideal because God came to Abraham and made a covenant with him, and that's what's recorded for us. And we tend to think that's all that God ever interacted with man. But it's kind of like John ends his gospel by saying, many other signs and wonders Jesus performed. The whole world couldn't contain them if they were written. I kind of paraphrase that. But he says, these are written that you may believe. All right, so we just have a very short microscopic inkling into what God has done throughout the time and throughout the history. So uh, next slide, please. Okay, going back to Daniel chapter 2, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream was of a big statue made of four different types of metal, gold, silver, bronze, and then iron and clay, which represented four great kingdoms. And then there was another part of that. There was a rock cut from a mountain, okay? And it says uh, this rock uh, was not cut with human hands, and it grew to fill the whole earth, and it was a kingdom that would last, fill the whole earth and last forever. And it says, in the time of those kings, and I believe the time of those kings is referring to the Roman Empire. When you follow these four great kingdoms, it's Babylonian, Medo-Persia, uh, Greece, and then Rome. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. So Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he's got these four great kingdoms, and Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, you're the golden head. Okay, and uh, probably appealed to his uh, pride. Hey, I'm the golden head. Yeah, right on, you know. But he tells him there's going to be this kingdom that's going to destroy. It's going to surpass all these other kingdoms, fill the earth and never be destroyed. Now, we don't know what other prophecies Daniel may have given or, or whatever country this was carried out in. And it wasn't written down for us. Obviously, somehow God told these magi, look for this star. Here's how you're going to know it. Here's what it's going to mean. Okay, somehow God was able to. And when we just looked at all these things, the magnificent work that God has done, their response to it, the Magi are waiting for this star, and when it happens, what do you think? Let's go honor this king, even if they understood it to just simply be a physical king, a physical kingdom that's going to fill the earth, will never end. We need to go make some brownie points with that guy. Let's take him some great gifts. Okay, all right, next slide. So the unexpected, to go along with our unexpected, the first thing that I see unexpected here is, I just called it unexpected unbelief. The Magi came to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. I don't know what information they had, what they were expecting, but I'm going to assume that they're thinking the king. You know, they probably traveled for several weeks, possibly months. Every night they're sitting around the campfire and they're probably talking. Wow, what kind of kingdom do you think he's got? How big do you think his palace is? How many servants do you think he has? Wow, I wonder how much gold he's got. You know, they're just picturing this magnificent earthly kingdom type. I don't know if that's what they were thinking or not. But they come to Jerusalem, they're probably expecting, you know, a sign. Jerusalem, home of king of the Jews. You know, every city that has a famous person, you go to Alvin, it's got a sign, home of Nolan Ryan. You'll see that everywhere, you know. And they, but if nothing else, they go in there. They did not initially go to Herod. They just started asking around, where do we find he that's king of the Jews? And you know what they found? People blank stares. What are you talking about? What do you mean? I mean, these guys are probably getting concerned. They're in the wrong place. And what, in the, the verse here, let me uh, 
Jump here. Well, uh, I think it's verse 10, which talks about that Herod was troubled. One verse 10 earlier than that. But Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, why were they troubled? I would have expected the Jerusalem. Now, Herod doesn't surprise me. Of course he's troubled. But I would expect that the Jews to say, Herod was troubled and all the Jews were rejoicing. All the Jews were abuzz with excitement. All the Jews were, you know, what, what other term would we use? But it says they were troubled. Why were they troubled? This star, it seems that the Magi saw the star, they interpreted what it meant, they headed on the journey, and it, it disappeared. And then it reappeared. We see in verse 10, it talks about reappearing. These guys are probably thinking, wow, we're in the wrong place. We misread something. We took a right when we should have taken a left. We need to retrace these steps. Because it talks about they left Herod after Herod tells them, hey, you know, when you find this guy, come back and tell me where he is. It says they saw the star and they greatly rejoiced. They finally went, hey, wait, we're in the right place after all. And it leads them to where Jesus is. Okay, next point, unexpected. Unexpected humility. Now, for us, this is not unexpected. But like I said, these men are traveling, bringing great gifts to what they think is, is a great king, but maybe they're expecting something a little more earthly. They're, they're expecting to go to Jerusalem and say, hey, where do we find king of the Jews? Well, follow this street. That next right, that's Palace Lane. Follow Palace Lane to the end. When you get to where all the big houses are, Look for the biggest, nicest house, and that's where you'll find Jesus. That may have been what they were expecting, okay? But Jesus, we know he was born in a barn. Folks, I've been around livestock most of my life. Sheep and, I'm sorry, cattle and pigs mostly, not so much sheep. Pigs probably weren't there, but cattle were. I was watching the old movie, John Wayne and the Cowboys, and he said, cattle are nothing but a leather bag of trouble. And the other thing I can tell you about them is they stink, and they leave their droppings everywhere. I was trying to think of what word to use. They leave their droppings everywhere, okay? And they eat about 30 to 40 pounds a day, so most of that is in droppings. So that's a barn for you, okay? And here we still got our nice little manger that Jesus laid in the feed trough, okay? So Jesus was born in a barn. His first crib was a feed trough. He dies on the cross. I seriously doubt at that time in between was it a whole lot better. So when that star finally stops over a place and these magi are going there and they, they get to looking around like, you know what, we're on the wrong side of the tracks. We're in the poor part of town. These old run-down shacks, I can't believe anybody lives in these places, you know. And they finally come to the place where Jesus is and it's probably like, how does anybody even live in this place? That's what I think. But they were expecting something much greater. This is probably what they came into. All right, uh, next thing. Unexpected worship. Here's the magi expecting to come and worship a great king. And they are worshiping a great king, okay, not in the earthly terms that we normally think of. But yet when they came to Jesus and they realized, you know, this poor child in these meager, humble circumstances is the king of the Jews. It's going to rule a kingdom, okay? And they brought their gifts to him. Let's talk about the gifts a little bit. They brought the gold, the frankincense, the mirth. The gold, uh, we're not told exactly what it represents, but we assume gold would be the representative of him as a king. He is a king. Frankincense, during the Old Testament, a lot of the Jewish sacrifices and offerings they made to God, incense was to be mixed with it. So this uh, represents his deity. Uh, the, fr uh, the mirth uh, is another, probably a painkiller. Jesus was offered mirth mixed with uh, vinegar or sour wine or something as a painkiller when he's on the cross, which he rejects. So we see there representing his death. So these are the three gifts. And I know in the pictures, it always kind of shows them showing up here with this little bitty box, okay, in this little old bitty bottle. And that may have been what it was. But, you know, 
if you get to know me very well, you'll find out I'm kind of a big go big or go home kind of guy. Yeah, they may have come in there and saw, met Mary and Joseph and said, hey, you know, we, we got something for you. Come out to this first camel. This first camel here is loaded with a couple hundred pounds of gold. And this next camel's got a couple hundred pounds of incense and a couple hundred pounds of myrrh. Now, probably wasn't quite that much somewhere, but it is a great. And if you'll notice, the very next thing after verse 12, after the Magi leave, God, an angel warns Joseph in a dream uh, to get out of town, go to Egypt. They're trying to kill this child. Okay, and here the Magi has just dropped a pretty good chunk of traveling change in their hands. Okay, and uh, kind of like old Leroy Jethro Gibbs on NCIS, don't believe in, co in uh, coincidences. <laughs> okay, so uh, next slide, I think that's pretty much it. The unexpected, Jesus was the unexpected. The thing, the saying I like most about the wise men that I've seen is wise men still seek him today. And if you're looking, realize that something's missing in your life. You're looking for something. Uh, you realize we've just gone through a bad year. There's no promise that 2021 is going to be better, folks. Yeah, it could be good. This vaccine's going to work. The virus is going to be a bad memory. We're going to get this police brutality thing figured out. We're going to get this racism figured out. We're all going to start coming together. The market's going to go up. We're all going back to work. Businesses are going to thrive, maybe. 2020 may have just been a sampling of what's going to happen in 2021. We don't know. But what we do know is if we have Jesus in our lives, it doesn't matter how it turns out. It doesn't matter. And so uh, let's go to the next slide, if you would, please. Oh, one more. There we go. If you, okay, for those of you listening at home, we have this number you can text. Uh, if you like, you could just do it the old-fashioned way and pick up the phone and call the office. Someone will answer. We won't send you to India. Any way we can help you. We are ready to be here to help you to, uh, in your journey and your quest with Jesus. Thank you very much. Randy. Let's all be standing. Tell me the story of Jesus right on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweet as
And the whole church said, Amen. He loves us so. That love was represented in the gift that was on the cross. And the, all four Gospels want to be sure and highlight that part of Jesus' gift of God's love for us. We come at this time to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I would say that typically we don't integrate it with the things that the text in each of the Gospels integrate with the Lord's Supper. We want to focus on a cup and bread. The Gospels focus on a few other things. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2 as a sample. Excuse me, Luke chapter 22. Now the festival unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching and the chief priests and the teacher of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. And he replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he, that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left things and found them just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I'll not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the first cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the cup, he t after the supper, he took the, a second cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And we might close the scripture there, except that's not where Luke closes. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. Lord's Supper is bracketed by Judas's agreeing to betray and Jesus is revealing that the betrayer is at the table with him. We've just read this incredible story of the wise men. and Jerry has explained to you their, their faith in coming with gifts and to worship. But they are contrasted with a man named Herod who simply wants to overpower this new child 
and since he can't find the child, he will kill all the children in Bethlehem, all the sons in Bethlehem. Betrayal and the Lord's Supper. Yes, it's probably at least worth saying that to talk about betrayals associated with the Passover might indicate in the past how the people have betrayed what God did for them in saving them from Egypt. And yes, Luke and Matthew and Mark and John want to all tell us historically the betrayer sat at the table. But maybe when they wrote the gospel they wanted to be sure and look forward. Here is the bread. Here is the cup. Will you take it not only into you, but will it fill you in a way that changes your life into what God wants it to be? Or will you join with evil Israel, unfaithful Israel, join with Herod, join with Judas, and say, thank you for the gift. I'll just do whatever I want to do. The gift of Christ is the greatest thing that God could ever give us. May this time of remembering that gift cause us to live lives that say thank you. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the gift of this bread. You are the one who brings forth harvest from the ground and from that harvest we make bread but you're the one even more importantly that gave us Jesus who is the bread of life we give you thanks for Jesus and we all say and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it gave it to them saying this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Join me in prayer. Our Father and our God, we're overwhelmed with what the blood of Jesus cost and what the blood of Jesus gives. We thank you for being the God who brings forth fruit from the earth and from that fruit comes your wine. Father, we are even more thankful that you gave us Jesus who shed his blood, whose blood of the new covenant cleanses us from all sin and drops away from us everything that would hold us back from being what you want us to be. We thank you for the gift of Jesus and his blood. And we all say. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. May our financial gifts only be the beginning of what we choose to give to God this year. Our Father and our God, we thank you for 
not just Jesus, but for everything that you give to us. Father, we see Jesus as the greatest gift of all, and there's no way that we have anything that we can repay for that. But let us give of our finances liberally and sacrificially. Let us give of our time as you call upon us. Let us give of our talents in ways that don't bring glory to us, but bring glory to you. Thank you for the opportunity to be people who give back to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And again, we all say. morning. I wanted to thank each of you that uh, are here this morning, either in person or on the live stream. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Uh, Jerry, I wanted to thank you for an excellent lesson. Uh, actually, it put me in mind of a joke that my granddaddy used to tell. And granddaddy, he only told a few jokes, and not everybody thought they were funny, so bear with me. <laughs> uh, so this is about the farmer, a farmer that saw a sign up in the sky. Uh, his wife came in and the farmer was sitting there in his Sunday best and it was middle of the week and he'd already had a bath and had slicked up and she said what is going on and he said I saw a sign in the sky and she said what did it say it said GPC she said GPC what does that mean he says go preach Christ and I came in and put on my clothes and I'm about to go out and preach Christ and she said you fool that means go plow corn. Now get your overalls back on and get back out there. So, uh, same, with, same with the Magi. And the same in our lives. The same in Judas and the rest of the apostles' life. God will present himself to each of us. And what we do with that fact is, is more in what our own, own decision is. Will we be like the former and go plow corn? Will we be like Judas and betray Jesus or like the rest of the apostles and go feed his sheep? Will we be like Herod who sends an army in to kill all the innocents in the village? Or will we be like the Magi who bow down and worship and present themselves to a king? It's, it's, it's up to us, but I'm telling you, there's a right answer there. Bow down and present yourself to the king when, when God appears to you. Uh, so uh, I want to uh, lift up the caring and sharing. You'll see several things in there. One is our budget discerning process. Uh, you'll see more explanation about that. The church has been very faithful in 2020, uh, giving pretty much exactly what was budgeted, even though there would have been very valid excuses and reasons probably not to, but the church was right on the money, uh, and all the ministries that were planned were able to continue because of that. Uh, God will be calling upon you, presenting himself to you, and placing in your heart what it is that you should be giving in 2021. Be in prayer about that, answer that call, give faithfully according to what God has done, and then we'll set the budget accordingly according to that. 
there is important work. Whether 2021 is a banner year or a continuation of 2020, there is plenty of work to be done in the community uh, in God's service, and we want to, we want to be about that work. Uh, also, in the caring and sharing, uh, you'll see about the, the remaining holiday events. We're pulling down the holiday schedule, but we're getting uh, this Wednesday, no gatherings this Wednesday because we're taking a break there so that uh, uh, BISD will be starting back so all the parents can focus on that. Uh, we'll pretty much be back to our regular schedule starting next Sunday. Uh, but you can see the details in the caring and sharing. Life group should begin uh, January 17th, so see your life group leader about what's going on there. Also in the caring and sharing, you'll see a blurb, and you'll be hearing a lot more about this, is we're starting a uh, elder discernment. Uh, this is a process uh, that we've used and, we'll, and are continuing to use to identify uh, the men that God has uh, designated as elders for this church. Uh, the steering committee will, will start their work this month. The elders will be meeting with them shortly. Be in prayer just about the whole process uh, and that we're, that we're open to the men that God has identified for us for this, for this position. Uh, so just join us in prayer on that. I did have one uh, prayer request that's not in the carrying and sharing. And that was uh, a friend of the Wernerlicks, Jim Ammons, his mother Doris, who is 93, fell and broke her hip. And then uh, because she went to the facility for treatment, she now has COVID as well. So they have asked that we actively pray for them. So, so let's include them in our prayer. Uh, if you would, uh, join me in prayer. Father, we just want to humble ourselves before you, Father. We want to thank you that you are our God, that you have made yourself apparent to us, Father. We know we haven't accepted you fully in the way that we should, and we pray that uh, you would empty our hearts more of ourselves, that your spirit would dwell more in us, and that we would be more accepting of you, that we would uh, be more uh, willing to live our lives according to your plan, Father, that you would be able to use us in your ministry here on this earth. Father, we want to uh, lift up the elder identification process, and we pray that that would go well, that you would use that as a, as a way to show yourself and reveal yourself to this congregation, and that you would uh, bless this congregation through that. Father, we pray that uh, this upcoming year, we would like relief from the pandemic. Father, we would want uh, a more of a sense of love and unity in the community. Father, we pray that uh, you would place in our hearts what we need to be doing financially and with our time uh, to bring that about. Father, we pray for uh, health and restoration for our members, uh, for Israel and Audra and Edna and Betty and Dee and Carletta and Allie, Jeff and Raymond, Beth, Drew, Jason and Elise. Father, that's just to name a few, but we pray that you would strengthen each of us, that you would fill us with your spirit. Father, that we would be physically healed, that we would be physically strong, but Father, more importantly, that you would make us spiritually strong and spiritually healed. Father, this is our uh, continued prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would, join us in song. 